Okay, so robotic surgery is, uh, you need to understand that this isn't uh, an autonomous robot. Uh, this is a, a basically a computer. It's an enabling technology. So it's a computer uh, system that sits between the surgeon and the patient and it helps to um, augment or improve the surgical surgeon's capabilities. Um, and so in other words, it enhances the strength and it minimizes the weaknesses. So, for example, uh, with the, the enhanced optics, so you have three, 3D 1080 high-definition optics that we're able to see uh, inside the patient's body. Um, so that gives us, uh, obviously, enhances vision uh, capabilities uh, for improved precision, uh, minimized blood loss, minimized trauma to nerves and tissues. Um, and then also it removes things like tremor, and uh, you know some of the, the weaknesses that we have. Um, also, because of the wristed technology, it enables the surgeon, obviously, compared to standard laparoscopy or keyhole surgery, um, it enables the surgeon to have actually more. Uh, you've got six degrees of freedom uh, of your of your little wristed instruments, which is equivalent to, to the human hand. In fact, we can rotate those things more than a human wrist, so they can rotate 540 degrees. Um, doctor, how long has it been around for? Okay, so robotics was uh, the, the the technology has been around for the past uh, sixteen years now. So this was uh, launched to market in uh, two thousand. Um, the company in the US, Intuitive Surgical. Um, it came to South Africa, however, in twenty thirteen. So there was a distributor appointed in twenty twelve in South Africa, and the first machine was installed in South Africa in uh, around September 2013, and we did the first prostate uh, robotic prostate operation in um, about the middle of October 2013. And then now, Doctor, on to the study. What was the purpose of the study? Well, the purpose of this study is uh, was, was really to look at the safety um, of implementing uh, a robotic program between multiple surgical centers, so Netcare initially had two robotic centers, one in Johannesburg and one in Cape Town uh, at Netcare facilities. And, and, uh, and then also later on, uh, about 18 months later, a third uh, robotic platform at uh, Netcare Mshlonga Hospital in Durban. So currently Netcare are the biggest provider of robotic surgical uh, services and um, at, uh, we've got three robots uh, across the country. So the purpose of this was really, from the beginning, we prospectively collected data on the first 500 patients that we treated in their facilities um, to make sure that we could implement the surgery safely and to a very high standard uh, with outcomes comparable to, um, uh, you know, benchmark um, results from around the world. And, and also... Uh, these hospitals where the robots are what we call multi-speciality hospital environments. So it's your standard hospital that's got multiple, um, you know, departments, got surgery and pediatrics and medicine and, and so on. Uh, doctor, can you elaborate more on your methodology, how you carried out the study? Okay, so we, we uh, on the robotic uh, patients, we prospectively collected data on all of the perioperative variables. In other words, the patient demographics, the age, 
uh, the comorbidity status, in other words, other diseases that they had, and um, and their disease profile, in other words, what type of prostate cancer, whether it was low risk, intermediate risk, high risk, what the grade of the cancer was, and the clinical staging of the cancer. So all of those things we captured, the perioperative variables, so things like the theatre time, the time on the surgical console that the actual business end of the operation took, um, whether the patient had any complications. Uh, and then we also compared that with a, with a cohort of men that had open surgery over a similar time frame. So they were virtually well matched for age and, and disease status in net care facilities in the same time, two-year time frame. Um, and we used that as a, as a comparator to, to look specifically at things like length of stay and complications because those are some of the very important outcomes. What were the findings of the study? So really the, 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 the headline findings, we were able to introduce robotic surgery to multiple surgeons. So we, this study was obviously 18 surgeons going through their learning curve, and we demonstrated that we could, even while we were training them, deliver very high uh, um, you know, levels of, of uh, cancer control um, in, a purport, in, a, in a group of patients that had more than 50% of them had intermediate and high-risk cases, and I think that's an important point. The, the outcomes in terms of cancer control, continence rates after the surgery, and maintaining potency rates were comparable to other large international theories. And I think the other important thing is compared to the open group of patients, which has been the traditional method uh, for, for the, you know, many years in South Africa, we significantly reduced the length of stay. So in other words, the, the length of stay in the robotic group was 3.2 days versus 6 days. In other words, 40, 47% shorter length of stay. Complication rate was about half. A significant complication rate. So those are complications that require returns to theater were also three times lower in the robotic group. So the robotic group, it was 1.6% versus nearly 5% for the open uh, group of patients. Understanding your um, statement, you're also saying that um, uh, robotic surgery for the treatment of prostate cancer is growing by approximately um, 40% per year in South Africa. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, I can. I mean, if you look at prostate cancer treatment for early prostate cancer around the world, there's this uh, slight um, odd phenomenon that in most places around the world, if you look at the United States, mainland Europe, um, Australia, Surgery is, uh, and certainly radical prostatectomy and robotic prostatectomy is about 70 to 80 percent of patients. Uh, you know, offer, it represents about 70 to 80 percent of the early prostate cancer therapy. The rest of the patients are generally treated with external beam radiation, brachytherapy, which is low dose uh, rate uh, seed brachytherapy in the main, uh, represents usually somewhere between 7 to 10 percent. Some countries, 15 percent. Now, in South Africa, there's this uh, issue where about eight, uh, 70% of treatment is brachytherapy. So there's really a, we're out of line with the rest of the world in brachytherapy rates. Um, and uh, for this reason, uh, this was historically uh, probably crept in over the last 10 to 15 years. But that phenomenon is changing. So surgery is now uh, regaining its rightful place as the, the dominant treatment for early prostate cancer. Um, and as I said, robotic surgery is now is growing rapidly, as I said, 40% per year. Just to get some clarity, on this study, you just dealt with prostate cancer, right? At the moment, uh, with the introduction of robotic technology, 
We, we did this, first of all, in, in prostate cancer for robotic radical prostatectomy. Uh, we have subsequently developed a program in three specialist centers uh, for treating kidney cancer, so what we call partial nephrectomy. Um, so robotic partial nephrectomy is the gold standard for treating, uh, just removing the tumor within the kidney and preserving the rest of the kidney so that you maintain uh, kidney function, what we call nephron-sparing surgery. So robotic, the robotic approach is really the gold standard. It gives you uh, the best chance of removing the tumor with, with a clear margin and also preserving kidney function. We also look, we're also starting to do removal of the bladder and the prostate, so what we call cystectomy or cystoprostatectomy uh, for bladder cancer. Again, the, at the moment, this is, um, you know, it's slow to take off in South Africa because there's still issues related to, to getting authorization and funding and sorting out those things with, uh, with funders. But um, it will come with time if we, we, you know, follow the trends around the rest of the world. We're, we're looking, robotics is shortly going to be uh, available in colorectal surgery. So the general surgeons are now um, uh, looking at starting a program in colorectal surgery and in pelvic floor repair, and I think that will probably uh, start uh, during 2017. And then, Doctor, um, are there any other benefits to robotic surgery um, as compared to open surgery? Yeah, I think the, the, the major benefits that we see uh, because of the, the minimal trauma um, and short length of stay, very low blood transfusion rates, uh, is that the patient is able to return to their normal activity, return to work very rapidly. But we have patients going back to work, professional people that can go back to work within uh, 10 to 14 days, three weeks, you know, so, so a rapid, rapid recovery and return to normal activity. And along with that, we see improvements in urinary continence rates, early return of erectile function. That's obviously looking at men that have got good erectile function to start with. Remember, because prostate cancer is mainly a disease of older men, there's already a background incidence of erectile difficulties. So, um, uh, but, but certainly we can uh, maintain or restore erectile function in, in about uh, three-quarters of these men six months if they've got good baseline erectile function. So, you know, the quality of life is, is certainly um, returns to normal very quickly. And then um, for, the, for the hospital, like in terms of cost, does it cost more? Yeah, look, robotic surgery does cost a, a little bit more. It comes at a price. Interestingly, though, if you compare treatments, so for example, if you compare other treatments for early prostate cancer, so, for example, radio, external beam radiation or um, brachytherapy, the cost differential is not as big as people may think. Um, and this is all set by often the, the lower retreatment rate. So one of the critical things is that if you don't cure the patient's cancer initially, they may need additional treatment or they may need a, a salvage treatment. So, for example, if a patient with surgery... Uh, is not cured, he may then need additional radiation. Or if a patient has radiation and he fails, in some cases we can go and remove the prostate for so the salvage surgery and um, uh, or give them additional treatment with you know, drug therapy, which in some cases can be very expensive. So these secondary treatments are very high. Now, what we see with surgery, there was recently a very large 
randomized trial um, published in the Lancet um, called the PROTECT study. Uh, and what that showed, and that was a randomized trial between surveillance, uh, radiation, and uh, surgery for prostate cancer, radical prostatectomy. And although at 10 years there's no difference in cancer and overall uh, specific survival at, at the 10-year point between surgery and radiation, what we see is that the primary treatment failure rate is significantly higher for radiation. So uh, what that means is uh, uh, this, for, the sur- for surgery, it was around 2%, and for, for radiation, it was around 14%, so nearly seven times higher. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a critical issue because, remember, those patients are going to require expensive additional treatment. And that's really what you need to look at. So although the initial cost may be a bit more expensive, what you save on downstream costs.